Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Aaron Hogan. Rod Babers, hook them up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Yeah, still talking uh, AFC and NFC Championship game. Now looking forward to the Super Bowl. A lot of messages are coming in on our text line. We appreciate you weighing in. It says uh, Lamar Jackson, six TDs, six interceptions, six fumbles in playoff games. Dak Prescott, 14 TDs, seven interceptions, one fumble. Uh, this has also said Vikings didn't lose four straight Super Bowls. They did lose four, but not in a row like Buffalo did. That's true. Yeah, four in a row is brutal. That is, I can't like, oh, man. You wonder why Bill's Mafia is insane. That's yeah, exactly. <laughs> They've been, yeah, they got, they, they're bonded by collective trauma. Well, that's why when uh, Tyler Bass, their kicker, missed that kick to tie the game with the Chiefs oh, wide right. man. And Jim Nance said wide right. Everybody which, was like, oh, what are you doing? Don't do it. Flashback. This is 30 years ago with Scott Norwood, but, man, Ooh. that's too soon. Too soon. Too soon. Oh, man. And think about that, Rob. One of the four losses, if Scott Norwood had not kicked it wide right, they would have won the game. Oh, I know. That's the brutal one. Like, the Cowboys beat the daylights out of them yeah, that a couple of times. That wasn't close. Yeah. In two of those Super Bowls. And the Cowboys were just so dominant Ooh. those years. Um, yeah, the, the Cowboys, if you if you think back, and you know, I wasn't a big fan of the Cowboys as an Oiler fan, but, boy, I appreciated them. It kind of reminded you of what you saw from the Lions in the first half in San Francisco. That's how the Cowboys used to play. Oh, yeah. They would put uh, – creative with the running game. I mean, the Cowboys oh, at the time, Jimmy Johnson assembled the biggest, the most mammoth offensive line the NFL had ever seen. It was the biggest offensive oh. line in the history of the NFL. So, it was like a sight. It was like what? It was like one of the wonders of the world. It was like, what the hell? With Emmett Smith coming in behind yeah, it. Yeah, they were just Troy they Aikman throwing play action off of it. You couldn't and stop them. You could stop that To your point, though, about the comparison – the way that the Detroit Lions, because they have a top five O-line in the NFL, but the way they use Penesul, bringing him in as like a H-back at times and then <laughs> motioning this guy, then split flow across the formation with a 300-some pound tackle, and he's out there in the open. It is. He's so athletic, though. Yeah. I thought that was I, – I was, I was just like – getting up off the couch watching that because yeah. you're right, they would bring in uh, oh. the other right tackle, their backup right tackle, and then they'd use Penny Sewell as a chess piece oh, to dude. just lead these massive runs. And I don't, I don't – it's credit to the Niners because they, they shut it down in the second half. But uh, I told you I didn't attack them edges, though. You can hit them Niners on the edge. Well, I, that's the – I hate it, but I try to watch them enough. You can, you can work them edges on them. Well, and it was – I think it was Ryan Clark on ESPN yesterday who said, you know, what Brock Purdy did was separate himself from Tua – Dak, Justin Herbert, and Kirk Cousins, the things that will echo in the eternity of football is what you do this time of year. And I do believe that that's true, and that's why we do talk about Lamar Jackson. Is he this, this era's Don, uh, Dan Marino, right? Uh, Dak Prescott. You know, the, since the retirement of Tom Brady and uh, Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers now in the AFC, this conference is there for the taking. Yes, it is. And in back-to-back years, Jalen Hurts has taken his team to the Super Bowl. Now Brock Purdy's taking his team to the Super Bowl. Dak Prescott has not uh, – been able to do that it's no. not all his fault but at the same time that's look say it again this is the time of year that will echo into the eternity and it does 
in both ways. And whether that's fair or not, it just is. It yeah. just is in the I most mean, popular well, sport in America. Well, that's that's every sport, right? Yes. Look at the NBA. We do the same thing in the NBA. We're like, oh, man, you're a regular season award guy, whether you're a James Harden that's or right. whatever. And then you're right, man, you, you're great in the regular season, but in clutch time, when it's time to win in the postseason winning time, you don't show up. And that's when legacies are forged. So I think it's every sport for the most part. Lamar and Jackson is Clayton Kershaw. Yeah, exactly. The LA right? Dodgers. Just, just, be, just because you're a great player doesn't necessarily make you a clutch player. And if you want to be a GOAT, you've got to be both. That's right. You got to be great and also be clutch, and that those are that's when you're in the goat conversation. By the way, Brock Purdy ain't there because he's just clutch, but he ain't great. Well, and that's the look thing. At, look at the first, look at the whole three, four quarters of the game. Hell, first three quarters of the game in the uh, Detroit, uh, sorry, versus um, Green Bay, he was pedestrian to below average, and against Detroit for the first half, he was like that. And and but now he has. Separated like, himself. Yeah, but you don't remember clutch. that. Yeah, you don't nobody, remember that. Nobody remembers that. Nobody wants to talk about that. All they remember is, man, did you see what he did in clutch time when it was time to win? Yeah. 100%. 100%. And that's, you know, Lamar Jackson is Clayton Kershaw. Clayton Kershaw is one of the best left-handed pitchers of all time. Of all time. Of all time. By every metric in the regular season, kind of like Lamar Jackson maybe, or Dan Marino was. Yeah. But never won a Super Bowl. And Clayton Kershaw not only has been – now, he does have a World Series ring. There you go. So but his numbers in the postseason are – it wasn't it's strikingly not different. Yeah. <laughs> He's not the reason they're winning. Yeah. Uh, and you almost feel bad for him sometimes, but you're like, come on, man. All right, let's get to the other headlines, including Longhorn basketball. Rod's got a rant coming. We love talking football. Let's take your thoughts at 447-3776. We'll some bullish or BS for the end of our uh, uh, second hour, but let's get you the news. Top Gun Reynolds and Lonequin bring you the top stories. We started at the Moody Center last night. Texas basketball, tough outcome for the Longhorns at a jam-packed and frenzied mood. Uh, they end up on the short end of a hard-fought overtime thriller loss. The fourth-ranked Houston Cougars came to town, pulled out a 76-72 win on Big Monday thanks to their interior muscle and 25 big points from Maynard native Jamal Shedd, their point guard. Heck of a game. Cougars started quick. They opened as much as a 12-point first-half lead, up eight at the half at 33-25. But Texas came alive in the second half, found their offense, went on a 14-4 run, took a six-point lead at 54-48. Uh, but Houston responded. Uh, for Kelvin Sampson. They drilled three consecutive three-pointers, two by Shed. They tied the game at 59, went to overtime at 65, tied. Uh, Texas fought to the finish, but outscored at 11-7 in the extra five minutes. Couldn't keep Houston off the uh, offensive glass all night. Kelvin Sampson's team out-rebounded Texas by 11 overall and 15 on the offensive end, led to 19 second-chance points. They improved to 6-2 and two in the Big 12. Texas for head coach Rodney Terry falls to 3-5. and five. You know, again, it's not it's not enough for us trying to come close or have a more victory. We're not in it for more victories. We we, we compete at the University of Texas to win, and, uh, and I know our guys tried to do that tonight at a, at a at a very high level. No disappointment in their effort and their want to and the want to win tonight uh, at at home. To, again, we'll keep working hard and keep trying to get better in this league. Max Hastings led the Longhorns with 20. Dylan Mitchell had 16 points, 10 boards. Texas will travel to TCU on Saturday. Busy night in the NBA. Spurs lose at home to Washington. Down in Houston, the Rockets roll past the Lakers, 135-119. Jalen Green had 34. How about Luka Doncic? He stays on his heater. The Mavericks nipped Orlando, 131-129. 45 and 15 assists for Luka. Also last night, Nuggets spoiled Doc Rivers' debut as the head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks. 
Denver beat them in Denver 113-107. And game of the night was in Oklahoma City where the visiting Timberwolves took down the Thunder 107-101 in a meeting of the top two teams in the Western Conference. NFL countdown now on to Super Bowl 58 in Vegas. KC facing San Francisco a week from Sunday. Unfortunately, the Chiefs will not have the services of former Longhorn Charles Amenahu for the game. MRI performed yesterday, revealed he suffered a torn ACL during the first half of Sunday's win in Baltimore. Big absence for the Chiefs. That team has allowed the second fewest points in the NFL during the regular season. CO's had seven sacks in 11 games. Also had a strip sack of Lamar Jackson before suffering that injury in the uh, second quarter. Also in the NFL, it appears the Chargers have found their new general manager to pair with their head coach, Jim Harbaugh. Uh, and familiarity here, according to Adam Schefter, LA is set to hire Baltimore Ravens director of player personnel. Joe Horitz is their GM. Horitz has been with the Ravens since 98. He's worked with Jim's brother, John, during most of his stint there with Baltimore. Horn headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. A new year and a new store. Come see our new beauty location at 200 Trademark Drive to rent, buy, or repair any construction and lawn equipment you need. Topgun.net. We'll shoot you straight. Uh, Longhorns fought hard. Uh, there's no question the offensive boards were the biggest factor, uh, tipping the scales in favor of U of H. 19 second chance points. Uh, damn near double Texas up on the offensive boards, 15 to 8, I believe it was. And. Um, they, you talked about it yesterday. They got, they got some football players inside, and they really do. They, they, they play really physical, and Texas couldn't really match the intensity or the physicality. And the slow start also didn't help Texas battling back. They did battle back, though. That 12-2 run in the second half got them right back in the game. Uh, even got, I mean, Texas had a chance to, you know, pull it off, really. Um, and it looked like they would for a while. Uh, but, man, U of H, some clutch shots down the stretch. And, once again, the offensive boards, they just dominated, giving themselves 19 second-chance points. So, the Longhorns are getting better. But I don't know if that's enough in the Big 12. Well, you know, on Saturday against BYU, the color analyst from ESPN was Chris Spatola, uh, former Duke player. And, you know, he, he had the words, you know, the Texas is soft at the rim which they were, right? I mean, the, the, the dribble drives were getting there, and there wasn't any resistance. You know, there weren't a lot of hard fouls. Um, you know, sometimes got to make those earn that and take your fouls that way. And that's what I said yesterday, that if you're going to play soft at the rim against Houston, you're going to get beat. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to get beat even if you play well in the backcourt, which Texas did with Max Ace was having a big game with 20 and – you know, Kendall Weaver bringing the energy, even even Dylan Mitchell. Dylan Mitchell had 16 points and 10 rebounds and was very active, but a lot of his rebounds came on the offensive end as putbacks. But, you know, he was one of the ones, and, he, and you know, Caden Shedrick, and you've got to be ta- you, you got to box out. I mean, you just do. You cannot let that team crash the glass. And over and over again, Texas would play good defense, force the shot they want, and then not get the rebound and uh, let them put yep. it back in there. There was a critical one before the end of regulation, Rod, um, on a, re, on a free throw, on a free throw that they missed. If Texas gets the board, they have the lead. Uh, I was thinking they have a good chance here. And, you know, Dylan Mitchell didn't box out. Kid gets the board. They foul him. He goes and makes a free throw and, and two free throws. And, you know, the, that, that's the stuff, man. That's, that's the margins. You've you got to box out. You've got to put a body on a body. You can't give them second chances. And all too often in clutch times last night, Texas allowed a second chance opportunity. Yeah, I want to say 11 of those uh, 15 offensive rebounds came in the second half and in overtime. Well, and that was the thing, because 25 for Jamal Shedd, and props to that guy. That guy's a bulldog from Maynard, Texas. He had 25 big points. Uh, but when they put Kendall Weaver on him in the last uh, you know, part of the game, he did a great job of denying the ball. And Texas was forcing L.J. Cryer to take bad shots. They were getting you know, Houston into the offense that they wanted him, and then they, they wouldn't corral the rebound. Kelvin Townsend said that Kendall Weaver is the Texas' best defensive guard. 
He said that in the post game. Well, and Kendall Weaver, look, he's he's one of those guys that'll be around a while. I mean, he he's a he's a a program player. I mean, he's not going to run off to the NBA anytime mm-hmm. soon. He can be with you not just this year but beyond, and that's a good thing because he is he's a really um, really good basketball player in a lot of phases. But they just they got to be tougher on the glass. I mean, they do, and I don't know if you can invent that right now um, in almost February now. And you got to be better at home. That's. 100%. And, and Big 12 play, man. One and three at home. That's what I say. I mean, the, last night's loss is forgivable. The loss to Central Florida is not. The yeah. loss. You I mean, can lose to, yeah, lose to a ranked opponent. That's no why I, that. we came in here that time. morning. That was such a killer of a loss because you had a 16-point lead, a team you're supposed to beat at home, and you didn't. The Texas Tech game when you started conference play. Now, Texas Tech has gone on to a 5-1 and one start now. Yeah, that's a good uh, team. But you still need to beat them at home. You just do. Because uh, you just showed against one of the top two or three teams in the country that you can play toe-to-toe with really anybody, even with some issues up front. And slow start. And, yeah, even last night, you you know, you heard Fran Fraschillo on the broadcast talking about Texas is not matching the intensity of Houston. They're yeah. not matching the intensity. Once they started, it was a ball game. It was. But uh, the 40 minutes of intense basketball has been a challenge for Texas, too. So, uh, frustrating because you were right there, and uh, that's the way basketball go, I guess, right? Well, in the Big 12, that's the way it go. I 100%. Mean, it feels like you're playing tournament basketball every night in the Big 12, and for Texas, like I said, they're getting better. It's just not good enough in the Big 12, and now they're 3-5 and five in Big 12 play, and their tournament hopes are fading a little yeah. bit unless they turn things around pretty quickly here. Right, we'll see. TCU Saturday. Uh, Texas women have a big one with Baylor coming up on Thursday uh, of this week as far as college basketball goes. All right, uh, good stuff right there. We'll take your thoughts if you were part of that rabid crowd at the Moody Center last night. Right now, though, let's get Rod's first rant of a Tuesday. Rod's Rant of the Day is brought to you by Apple Leasing, the easiest and safest way to get a new car, any make, any model. Click AppleLeasing.com and experience how easy it is. Mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real! My God! Okay, it's happening! Everybody stay calm! Oh, oh you've done it now. It's time for Rod's Rant of the Day. Hold on to your butts. All right, just a couple of uh, nuggets from Championship Weekend that I still want to get into and discuss. Uh, and I gave this little uh, factoid earlier today, but... It's still mind blowing. Um, the Ravens, and I would say to win games, you got to break tendency. So I, I, I'm not going to criticize Todd Munkin too much for it because I do think they were trying to break tendency at the right time. But when it doesn't work, man, it's going to blow up in your face, and, and people are going to uh, criticize the methods. But the Baltimore Ravens in that game versus Kansas City, they had the sixth lowest run rate, um, design run rate in the NFL all year long, all season long, playoffs included. Um, Just to give you perspective, to kind of contextualize it for you, uh, there have been 568 NFL games played this season, um, including the playoffs. The Ravens' design run rate on Sunday versus Kansas City was 563rd. That means it (laughs) it was the sixth lowest of the season. So to me, that's intentional. Uh, I think that was them trying to break tendency, and it did not work. And the reason it didn't work is because Spagnola was was fantastic in his game plan. He had he played six different personnel groupings defensively. I mean, they played three three five. They played a uh, three two six. You saw a uh, four one six. I mean, they threw a ton of different looks at uh, Lamar Jackson. And you could argue that if the Ravens, the adjustment by the Ravens should have been all right, let's just go back to running the football. Honestly, it ain't that much different than what Texas did early on against Washington 
and we all thought, hey, Texas is having some success. They should just run the football a little bit. The adjustment by the Ravens should have been just running the football because it would have influenced Spagnola to have where you've been able to dictate their personnel grouping. The personnel grouping started to dictate what you were doing offensively instead of you dictating what the what the defense should have been doing. They were able to dictate you because your pass rate was so high. They threw all these exotic pressure packages at you, all these exotic personnel groupings. Well, if you're running the football successfully, trust me, teams just going to play. They, they'll play their base. They played their base too, but they'll just go back to their base. They'll go back to run heavy defenses or run personnel groupings. And Baltimore didn't do that. Baltimore allowed Spagnola to really dictate the tempo of that game. And because I think it started out, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. I think it started out with, hey, let's break tendency. And it was at sixth lowest run rate of the season, definitely breaking tendency. Only six carries for the running backs, but it blew up in their face. And when it's at one point in the game, they should have been able to pivot because they didn't have to abandon the running game because they weren't down by a lot. If you haven't abandoned the running game when you're down three scores. Hell, the, the 49ers didn't abandon the running game when they were down 17. They did not abandon the running game. So I think that probably is Todd Monk, and that's his ultimate failure as a coach. He should have adjusted sooner and realized, all right, you know what? My game plan sucks. Game plan is not working. It's not working really well. Well, and, and, you know, you give the numbers, Rob, but just watching the game, every time Lamar Jackson dropped back over and over again, uh, it, it looked like he wasn't sure what he was saying. He was never comfortable. He was, and that gives Spags credit there. Spagnola, he was making it cloudy. He was, he was clouding the picture of what, what coverage he was going to be in. And, you know, you could see even on the touchdown pass to Zay Flowers, he scrambled for – It was, yeah, it was a scrambled. play. It was like seven, eight seconds. And, and go over to kind of backyard football yeah. at some level. But uh, the initial read, he didn't, he didn't get it. it would, and, you know, when he did throw it, because the Chiefs have such a great secondary, guys were, were tight. Guys were covered. covered. Yeah. And that's – again, not a Ravens fan. But watching the game, I think, why aren't you running the ball? Why are you not running the ball? What are you doing? This game is there for you to win. And, you know, obviously the Ravens fans will talk about Zay Flowers' fumble at the goal line, which was, was huge. Big. Yeah. That's just a great individual play by Legereus Sneed, by the way, uh, to punch that ball out. And, and then Lamar's interception. But, gosh, yeah. that, that right there where, come on, Nick, hey, you're, you're in the high score, high red zone, pound the rock. Go pound this rock and go get this touchdown. Um, but instead, it's a throw into triple coverage. Yeah. So uh, you can put that on Lamar Jackson, absolutely. But at the same time, That's coach is doing it. At that point of the game, you kind of knew the passing game was not clicking. And it's pouring down rain. Yeah. Come on, man. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I, I, I didn't realize it was that egregious until I went back and looked at some of the numbers. And, yeah, that – that is probably that was probably their biggest coaching failure overall. Was the initial game plan was I think they were trying to break Tennessee. It didn't work. It doesn't always work. Trying to break Tennessee, it doesn't always work. When it does, it you need to learn when to pivot. Let's pivot. And they did yeah, not pivot. And then you know the, that on top of all the personal fouls and the oh, yeah. the gift yardage that the, yeah. they gave the Chiefs, who were ju- much more buttoned up and much more oh, you know, yeah. poised in that moment. And that goes back to John Harbaugh because John Harbaugh can get on the headset and say, Todd. What are we doing here? Coach Monken, what are we doing? Yeah. <laughs> what are we doing? We've been one of the highest – we're the highest run rate team in the league to, you know, this season. That's why we're the number one seed. What are we doing? Why are we not running the football more? Uh, yeah, and the Chiefs ran they, – they blitzed a ton. I believe uh, it was a 44%, almost 45% pass blitz rate versus the Ravens. Uh, the season average for the Chiefs was around 32%. And they ran two six-man blitzes against the Dolphins, four against the Bills. They ran eight of them, six-man blitzes, which essentially means you're in zero coverage a lot of times uh, against Lamar Jackson. So they, they wanted to get after him. 
but you wouldn't have a chance to get after them if they'd stayed ahead of the chains and run the ball more. So that's the kind of the biggest nugget uh, reviewing the AFC title matchup. But you just got to give more credit to the Chiefs and what they did against the Ravens on the road. Talking about the 49ers and uh, the Detroit Lions, I think obviously most of the conversation has been about Dan Campbell and his fourth down decisions. I think it's overall that third quarter where they had a meltdown. You're up 17 points, and in nine minutes, the 49ers are able to come back <laughs> uh, and take the lead in that game. But the something that's not talked about enough is, was it Batchley, the kicker? I, I didn't realize this either, and I think it's one of the things that Dan Campbell might have considered when he was making his decision, which I agree was a miscalculation. All right, you want to take them points and get the lead. You talked about that yesterday. Take them points. Um, but the place kicker, do you realize how bad he is from outside kicking? I didn't know. Uh, their place kicker, Mike Batchley, is in his career, he is 50% in his career outdoors from 45 to 49 yards. Um, hasn't made one since 2020. 76% for his career for 40 to 49 yards, 46% from 50-plus. Um, the Lions converted 80% of their fourth and three or less all season long. San Fran allowed around 71% of their fourth and three or less all season long. And Michael Bashley hadn't, a kick, hadn't attempted a kick outside, we talked about this because they're Dome Warriors, since 2022. So I, I just throwing it out. I'm not just not excusing the uh, obviously the decision by Dan Campbell, um, but Michael Bassey was nine of twenty in his career from 48 plus yards. That's the one of the worst numbers among kickers. He might have been looking at his kicker too. Yeah, that well, my kicker outside. That this, this is not guaranteed for him to make it. Well, I said that yesterday. I mean, they're human beings playing, and you can't guarantee the field goal either. Yeah. Uh, and now those numbers. Not, not, ju- <laughs> not, not, I'm not justifying his decision. I'm just uh, saying, I like, I think that might also have been part of the calculation. Well, sure. If he's 50% outdoors and you get the third down, fourth downs 80% of the time, that's the analytics that would tell you go for it. Uh, and that's why, you know, as we had the good debates yesterday about it, I mean, the third quarter one I still disagree with, but it's defensible. I don't – I, I will never agree that with seven minutes to play, you don't tie the ball no, game. No, that was – Or try to tie the ball game. Uh, that just gave all the momentum in the world to San Francisco. They went down and scored again, so then you were down Agreed. 10. Uh, but, you know, one of the things we didn't talk about enough yesterday, Rod, was the timeout that he cost them. You know, and it was not just him, but it was Ben Johnson. When they were at the goal line and had three timeouts and they were trying to score to make it a three-point game, and they ran the ball, and, oh, and they had to use the timeout. That was brutal. That was a brutal you know decision. What? That was, you know what? And, and we don't get on Ben Johnson enough for that. That, that was, was terrible. That's a terrible call. Well, 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 you know, as soon as you had, you, had you didn't waste score, the timeout after that. And then you were going to have to rely on the onside kick at You're that right. point. We don't uh, talk the, enough about that. That was a that was, horrible call. And I don't. I don't know if that was Ben Johnson or Dan Campbell saying we can run. I don't, I don't know where you that You can't run from. the ball there. You can't run the ball there. You can't run the ball. Even this, if you are predictable. So, whatever it is, you can't run the ball there, man. You can't. You either have to. And Jared Goff can't take a sack, and you can't run the ball. And if you're going to run it, you better score. You have to. <laughs> but, but you just can't run it. I mean, you can't take the risk. You have to run a play that, that ends with an incomplete pass. It, um, it, you just said it there, risk. And it all blew up in their first. They, they, this is a team that had relied that time heavily out on was risk. So valuable. Oh man, I that timeout was enormous to their potential to come back and win that game. And I'd also say oh, that I forgot uh, about that one. And it was like we remember the long. Oh. We all remember the Longhorns playing in Washington, playing Washington in the Sugar Bowl. Right, brutal. they had the ball at the eleven yard line, but you know they didn't have any timeouts. Mm-mm. So every play had to go into Incident the end zone. zone. 
and the one little swing pass they threw was just to get out of bounds and keep the clock from stopping. You just knew you couldn't get tackled and get bounds or the game was going to end, essentially. And that's where, gosh, you got to know the clock at that point. Uh, you know, Dan Campbell. You're right. I think he was trying to surprise party because he didn't. The Niners will never think we're going to run the ball. Yeah. But you can't be wrong. On I would that. say I, I can't blame Dan Campbell because Ben Johnson is a play caller, but he has veto power because he's the head coach. He can go, hell no, guys, we throwing it. What do you mean? I heard they heard that play. Whoa, 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 no, 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 no. And it was just a basic. We throw it. We throw it. Just we, so you know. Give me a pass play. Yeah, we don't, something we're not for running. Jared. So he can he can always intervene and veto, and that's on Dan. So I, yeah, Dan Gamble he could have he could have given the team a strategic tactical advantage. He did not. I think that is pretty obvious. But that's a great point. Yeah, we hadn't talked about that, and we didn't bring it up yesterday because there were a lot of calls. And also, I'll, I'll throw this out there to Ben Johnson too. When um, when you had that fourth down call and they threw it to Josh Reynolds and he dropped it. Yep. That should have been to your Amon Rosé Brown. You got to have your money player catching that. You should. That, you got to design a player for your money Can't guy. Throw it to the Aggie. No. Well, no, I mean, yeah, <laughs> but you know, but that that's why I ended up dropping it because that's not your money guy. Yeah, he is. He's got the highest drop rate on that team. Yeah, uh, Josh Reynolds. Exactly. Him uh, or Laporta. I mean, that's your. Those are your those money are your guys. Your money guys. Yeah. All right. Good stuff right there. And Rod's rant from both championship games. We continue the recap, and now we're looking forward to the Super Bowl, which is twelve days away. Still trying to figure out why the Niners are favored. You know, against Patrick Mahomes, who's now 3-0 and as a playoff underdog. Uh, favored. Uh, Brock Purdy over – to say that out loud. Brock Purdy favored over Patrick Mahomes in a neutral site environment. Um, you figure it out. We'll come back, hit that. Also, Crazy. bullish your BS for the end of the hour. It's Hook em Up with Ian Rodby. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook em Up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. We mentioned uh, earlier this January the 30th, 30th, second to last day of the first month of the year. was the day 30 years ago the Cowboys won Super Bowl 28 by beating the Buffalo Bills. It was also the day two other Super Bowls took place, Rod. 41 years ago, 1983, the Washington, then the racial slurs, beat Miami 27-17. John Riggins, your MVP. And then uh, 24 years ago in 2000, the St. Louis Rams still in St. Louis, beat the Tennessee Titans 23-16, the Kevin Dyson game. One yard shy. Oh, yeah. Steve McNair. I remember that. Uh, Kurt Warner was your MVP with 414 yards. So three different Super Bowls on this January 30th. It just tells you how much longer. The season's two, two weeks longer now in the NFL, and it pushes all the way into early February. And that will extend even further when you know that the uh, billionaire owners, Rod, will extend this to an 18-game regular season. They'll give them two bye weeks, and we'll be playing Super Bowls all on and around President's Day mm-hmm. weekend. happen. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's what they want anyway. They want to take up more of the sports calendar. Uh, right now they dominate oh, all of September to uh, right now to February. But they're going to get February and they're going to get all of February. And then they're going to get the combine. So they steal a lot of the – I always say it's like a monopoly board. They, they own the best parts of the sports calendar, but they also steal different parts of other sports main – uh, segments like they'll steal the combine. They steal like two weeks from when's the combine? Like in February? Well, it's in March, right? It's first February. March this week. Like we, March, we kinda, yeah. Well, End of February, March, like that. We're in right? a leap year, so uh, February has a 29th day. Yeah, yeah. So it'll be like yeah, the beginning. Yeah, I, think of March. It, I think I think and it, go, it extends a full week. But you're yeah. right. I mean, but it goes. That's, that's like a week long. They steal that. They <laughs> then free agency opens mid mid March. Agency, they'll get it. Draft. The draft. They'll steal like another week. So they end up with basically another six weeks just from random events in the offseason. And like I said, nobody has more – nobody owns more property on the sports calendar monopoly board than 
the NFL. Nobody. Well, and if they go to 18 regular season games, or when they do, yep. uh, and add a second bye week, they'll also eliminate one more preseason game. So the month of August will be more compelling because there won't be these oh, yeah. meaningless preseason games that yep. we get. Um, well, we could, I don't know that they'll start earlier. It'll just make August. Um, yeah, well, it'll make it'll make August like we'll pay more attention sooner. Because yes. the preseason won't last as long. That's exactly right. Yeah, so they don't have to worry about that. It's All right. So Jan 30, uh, we're still 12 days to Super Bowl. And let's not forget, Rod, last year's Super Bowl, uh, one of the best we've seen, right? 38-35, Chiefs, 17-point fourth quarter led by Patrick Mahomes. I say this because that game, the Philadelphia Eagles were a point-and-a-half favorite going into the game. Hmm. And right now, San Francisco is a point-and-a-half favorite over one Patrick Mahomes and the KC Chiefs. Oh, wow. So that was the other game he was in though. That's yeah, he's three and zero again so in, in the so playoffs. One in the Super Bowl, and then these last two games. That's right. That's wow. exactly right. That's uh, <laughs> Eagles were favored. Yeah. Both teams were fourteen and three. That was the only one that was like, really close, I guess, because they. You know, I said the Bills game was close, but it felt like they were in control of that game the entire time. It was, but it, it was close because oh, the Bills, if it, the Bills if had Bath to leave. Bath makes a field goal, we're in overtime potentially. Yeah, no, you're right. Or needing to kick a game-winning field goal, which is what the Chiefs I just, did, I guess it just, did last I, year. I guess I just didn't have any doubt. Maybe that's it. Yeah. With Patrick Mahomes, I rarely have doubt that he's going to find a way to win the game. Well, and he did last year because, of course, the uh, Eagles were up 24-14 and uh, had to mouth the comeback, which they did, and outscored them 17-8 in that fourth. What a great game that was. All right, so uh, we're already t- getting all geeked out on the Super Bowl, recapping the uh, – uh, championship games, talking Longhorn basketball. Frustrating night at the Irwin Center as uh, fourth-ranked Houston held on for a 76-72 win over Texas. Also the news that Charles Amenahu uh, is not going to be playing in the Super Bowl for the Chiefs. He's got a torn ACL. Hate to see that. And uh, not only will not play in the Super Bowl, that, that'll impact his 2024 regular season, uh, unfortunately, for, yeah. for, for CO. And I'm so. saying they need him, man. He's he's, uh, he's probably second-best pass rusher, I believe, on the team. Yeah. Go and George Karloftis, the young guy, uh, is a good player. But, yes, no, he, he he's, he's part of it. He's really good. We, well, because Chris Jones is such a game wrecker in the middle. You but know, he, guys, he moves around. He does. And that's why Charles Mendel is great, too, because both of those guys, you actually can't move around the front. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You can move them around, put them in different gaps, hunt matchups. Now you lose one of those guys, yeah. so it makes it easier. I can double, you know, put allocate more resources to stop Chris Jones, which nobody can do anyway. So. This says, uh, guys, Super Bowl on a three-day weekend is a massive win. Now, I, I've always said that, man. Can we get it to where it's President's Day weekend, and then Super Bowl Sunday would be ahead of a holiday? Now we'd still be coming in here talking football the next day, the Super Bowl. But uh, you know, if they got it far enough, that would be. I mean, people have always said, why don't yeah. we, can't we have a holiday after the Super Bowl? Well, you if you get to President's Day, you'd have it. Yeah, you could. I mean, I, I said the NFL doesn't care. They they want people at, at work talking about the Super Bowl anyway. Yeah. <laughs> they know y'all going to stay up and watch the Super Bowl. So the NFL really doesn't care about that next day. That's more for us. Yeah. We want the day off because we want to have Super Bowl parties. It is it is the biggest kind of social – one of the biggest social parties, oh, party weekends year. of America's like, calendar because, you know, aside from the ho- actual holidays – 
I don't know if there is a holiday aside from the actual holiday Fourth of July. where people actually are designed to get together for parties. Oh, there's not. Super Bowl there's... party is a thing. No, I mean, yeah. You mean you're talking about Fourth of July, Thanksgiving, Christmas, Easter, yeah. and the Super Bowl? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> for people like, yeah, like, half, like half the people will be at a Super Bowl party for the Super Bowl. I don't know. I don't like Super Bowl parties. By the way, I'm not a fan. Don't. So I, people invite me, and I decline the invitation every time. I like watching. Like, I always tell you, I like watching football the way I like. I watch pornography. I want to watch it alone, usually in the dark. <laughs> And I don't want people around. My wife can join me, but she also can join me for the porn too. I don't. Oh really, man! I don't want to really. But I, if I got, if I'm going to the Super Bowl, which I might have an invitation, I might not. I'm not sure. Then I'll obviously make exceptions. I'll make the exceptions. I will say, uh, if I go to a Super Bowl party, Rod, there's got to be like I think we are actually hosting one this year. Uh, I think that was decided at the. Uh, oh. Yes, but you know, you you this, at the South Austin Onion Creek Compound. There are several locations where we have televisions. There's, you oh, yeah, know, you guys got room. you guys got a, a house to host. Yeah, we this do. We host spread out. House. Yeah, but you know me, I'll be in this room watching the game uh, away from because <laughs> most of the crowd will be in the kitchen where you have TV, and there's also one on the you patio. You don't want to talk about every other play. No, and Taylor Swift being no. shown. No, <laughs> this is where guys, dudes, or or females who want to watch the game come hang out with me. This is the room. Yeah. <laughs> This, this space right here, this is sacred. That's you right. come in here, we're watching the game. This is the room. You want to socialize, That's right. you leave this room. That's right. <laughs> you go into the where the food is and where everybody's hanging out, gabbing, gabbing like and that. talking. I like that. Well, because, you know, we do what we do, so, you know, you got to be able to come in oh, the, yeah. without much prep time and w- talk about what happened in the game. Really quickly, and that's uh, that's the way that ruler. That's works. why I don't like them parties. Co- commercials too. Everybody wants to talk. What happened? Who was that? What is it? And I like to rewind every now and then. I like to like, no, let me rewind that real quick and see what I, you know. And you can't really do that with the crowd. They're like, oh, what do you mean? Y'all not even watching the game. And they want to talk. People talking about the game. We're not watching the game. Yeah, we're not. If watching you're talking it. about the game. You are not watching the game. Quit asking me about the game so I can watch the game. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's the rule. But and I do think it's our year to host. Host apparently. Oh yeah, no, no, y'all, y'all can say y'all got a nice party house. Uh, th- th- you're right about that. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, it does. You can spread out and oh, man. got outdoor areas. Yeah, and, you got. I was kind of places where you can one. hang out. Yeah, man. Uh, this says yeah. Rod watches Super Bowl on his burner porn phone. <laughs> That's from Nate. <laughs> <laughs> I do not watch anything other than adult entertainment on that phone. But yeah, <laughs> but funny. I, yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. But I, like I said I, I like watching. I like watching. I, I, I've gone to Texas football games and I always have to leave and go home and watch the game. <laughs> right yeah. immediately because I missed so much of the game at the game. And I'm like, I'm so annoyed I missed the game because I don't want to be rude to people who are hosting us. So I talk and socialize, but I end up missing most of the damn game. Well, that's right. You're you're a big socializer, right? I know that. I've seen you yeah. at remotes and live broadcasts and stuff. Uh, you can't help yourself. I can. I'll just be, be an ass. Like, I'm going to sit over here and watch this game, y'all. Go I don't care if you're at my house and I haven't seen you in a year. <laughs> He'll speak his Call me Monday. What's up? He just waves at him. Keep his moving. Hey, y'all. Eyes on the screen. There you go. Uh, and this game, um, I'm, I'm eager to see. Now, I've never seen my team in the Super Bowl. That's the other part. I've never had you, – you and I have never had the experience of having no. our Houston team in a Super Bowl. So, no. And Detroit Lions fans were almost to that point. They were almost there. Gosh. Yeah. Up 24-7. to 7. Heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. Uh, but you and I have never had that uh, – I don't even know what I would do for that deal. Uh, I would try to go, I but would freak out. Like I said, it's it's tough. I, I with the with the kid now, that's it's gonna be tough. Can't just make random <laughs> plans like that. But I with this one, I'm trying to make an exception because my boy Shano is 
is coaching. Oh, 100%. And I think if he's going to win one, this is the one that he can try to win because I think after this, Kansas City is going to get even better. <laughs> and, the, and, there, and the NFC is going to get a little bit better, too. I, I think you're gonna, the NFC is going to change a little bit, too. So I think this might be one of his best shots. I agree with you. To and, win it uh, all. But you got to beat that guy. You got to beat that guy. That guy. You, know you, that guy? Were, you were up double digits on that guy in the last Super Bowl. Remember that? I do remember that. You were up double digits on that guy in the Super Bowl, and you had him in third and long, and then you allowed them to complete that long deep pass to Tyreek Hill. Remember that? I do remember and that. And I'm like, what? I still remember it was brutal. And that was kind of the beginning of it. That's when the Kansas City started to come back, and the 49ers, they could never get in control of the game again. But they had a 10-point lead on Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. Double digits. It's amazing. And it is uh, deja vu all over again, as Yogi would say, because uh, to, to have the Eagles last year was a one-and-a-half-point favorite with kind of an unproven commodity in Jalen Hurts. And, mm-hmm. and he played great, by the way, Jalen Hurts. Uh, and Brock awesome. Purdy now, you know, uh, Mr. Irrelevant, uh, showing that big-time clutch performances in, in two games, but favored in the game, which is crazy. I um, we, we gave you the stat earlier, but bears repeating that uh, with his 3-0 and record uh, as an underdog in the playoffs now, Patrick Mahomes – has e- equaled Brett Favre, Dan Marino. I mean, who are the other quarterbacks? Combined, uh, in, in those guys all together have only won three playoff games as an underdog it's in their crazy. careers. I mean, four, four different Hall of Fame quarterbacks. It's unbelievable. Uh, and here we are again, and it's against Brock Purdy. He, he went through two with Josh Allen and, and uh, Lamar, and now you get Purdy, and he's still an underdog. Yeah, he's 9-3 in his career. Period as an underdog, <laughs> nine and three. That's the, he's the best record of any quarterback in the Super Bowl era for an underdog. He's just, yeah. I'm, don't pick against him. I'm not picking against that dude. CB wants to know, Rod, weren't you at the Super Bowl 25 years ago when Atlanta, in Atlanta with an ice storm? Blake yeah, in Atlanta, you were there. Yeah, yeah, we went to that Super Bowl. Yeah, that was the Wood went. That was the crew. We went. That was Shano was there with. Is that Baltimore? Sims. Uh, Shano Sims. Oh, Atlanta. Oh, you talking about the, the Super Bowl? Yes. Um. Man, I'm now kind of forgetting. That's some still someone who's, who's in the Super Bowl. I think you're right about. That. I gotta go. I gotta remember. I'm getting old. My C, my uh, CTE is kicking in. <laughs> um, but yeah, I do remember we went to that Super Bowl. We were still at, at, at Texas. Oh, so was it 2000? Yeah, that was a. We were still at Texas. Was it? Was it the Rams Titans game? The Super Bowl I went to. When we were after Texas was the H Town Super Bowl. We were done in the Detroit Super Bowl. Okay, but that other Super Bowl, we were still we were still at Texas, if I'm not mistaken. Well, they, that might have been. Was it the, the the Kurt Warner game? If it was in Atlanta, I think oh, okay. was that the one. I'll look it up. Yeah, uh, we'll play some bullish or BS coming back, including uh, uh, some controversy for the, one of the stars of my favorite TV shows, Rod. Uh, also, bullish or BS on the uh, Philadelphia Eagles' new offensive coordinator. We'll get some others as well as we roll forward. It's a busy Tuesday. We're glad you're with us on Hook 'Em Up with Ian Rodby. Well, started out as a pretty light day in the uh, collision department. Things are picking up, though. Southbound on Toll 130 at Bloor Road. Uh, we've got a crash report there and a little bit of a backup. Also, at Gaddis School Road on Toll 130, a wreck reported. We're thinking southbound traffic is compromised, and yes, it certainly is. Uh, coming down from north of Highway 79. Now, southbound on the interstate near Highway 79 had a crash reported earlier. That has dropped off the board, so uh, good news there. Still delays, though, uh, back to Highway 29. And we're concerned about 183. This is westbound on the north side, back up to 290 toward I-35. And also concerned because of a backup east of Toll 130, westbound on Highway 71. Uh, this would be near Bergstrom Airport. And a serious wreck, uh, northbound access I-35 at uh, Runberg. I'm Don Miller, and that's traffic. 
Callahan's General Store, folks, always a good day to make it a Callahan's Day. Now that the sun's back out, get over to Callahan's. They want to help you keep your yard golf course condition year-round, and they absolutely can. That's kind of the promise that my man Charlie and his team will make you. If you frequent Callahan's and get your, uh, your supplies there, everything you need, um, the, the fertilizers, organic and conventional, the pre-emergence we've told you about to prevent those those pesky weeds from even germinating that you've got to deal with in the spring. Uh, all these things that give you a healthy, lush lawn, plus your, uh, your all your greenery and outdoor spaces, uh, they can keep them looking like a golf course year-round. You, I mean, you, just, you go to a beautiful golf course, you're like, wow, this is amazing. Go to some gardens. They can help you do that because they have all the products you need. They're, they're uh, made for this area. Uh, they're, a lot of them are sourced from right here locally. Uh, when you get down to the, to the, to the, the uh, fertilizers and things that you use to get that yard going, uh, but they also have the people, and that's really what separates Callahan's and has since 1978 from anybody else. The people there have worked at Callahan's for a long, long time. They love coming to work every day and helping you with projects and keeping your yard looking great, your pets and all the things that they do to feed. Uh, it's just the people uh, the, the, that you're going to enjoy, I promise you, more than most shopping experiences you will have at Callahan's General Store. Uh, right there, 501 Bastrop Highway, but they're between downtown and the airport. Get in there, make it a, a spot where you get all your stuff to keep that yard looking great year-round, and then they'll help you with the you know the folks to when to do it, how to do it, how to apply it properly, what time of year and when, all those things. And the next thing you know, you create that habit, your yard's going to look great, I promise you, at Callahan's General Store. Uh, get in there each and every day from 10 to 6 at Callahan's General Store. Find them online at callahansgeneralstore.com. And always remember, it's always a good day to make it a Callahan's Day. We, we, we compete at the University of Texas to win, and, uh, and I know our guys try to do that. Thing. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Oh, man, Ty's bringing the Creed back from World Series time. Nice. Bum, 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 bum. Uh, you heard a little Rodney Terry in there, too. We'll hear from Coach Terry coming up. Longhorns now 1-3 and three at home in Big 12 play. Frustrating loss last night for sure. Got uh, pounded on the glass and um, just not enough against the fourth-ranked team in the country, one of the better teams in the country. I saw a tweet this morning from Jay Billis. <laughs> Rod? Jay Billis. Jay Billis, who's one of the best as far as uh, college basketball analysts go. I want to get this right. So uh, he said uh, Houston leads the nation in playing hard. <laughs> that was his one line. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> That's pretty good. They lead the nation. They do. They do. And that's what you like about Kelvin Sampson's team. And the Longhorns, they matched that intensity for the second half. They really didn't in the first half, which is what's unfortunate for Texas. I want to say the opposing uh, on their winning streak prior to playing the Longhorns on their winning streak, uh, they were holding opposing teams at 54 points per game on average prior to uh, playing Texas. Oh, it's the best team. I mean, Rodney Terry said it last night. That's the best defensive team we've played. Jerome Tang, the coach at K-State, uh, after they lost on Saturday in Houston, said that might be the best defensive team I've ever seen. And so for the Longhorns to put 72 points on the board to shoot 60-plus percent in the second That's half. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, they – well, Kelvin Sam said it last night after the game. This, this, it's not about talent with Texas. They're really good. They're really – they're one of the yep. more talented teams we've played. And they're getting better. That's the but thing. But the margin for error in the, in the Big 12 is just minuscule. I mean, it is small. Well, it is you tiny. Can't, you can't not match the intensity for the, in the first half. And exactly. That's enough. Down, down, down 12 points. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's the, 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 you know, when you talk about Rodney Terry and coaches are problem solvers, they've got to solve that problem or more losses are coming. If they can solve it, they can play their way into the, the back end of this tournament and there'll be a team no one wants to play come tournament time, but there's a lot of work to be done. I will say that last year, Rodney Terry's Longhorn's best 
games came in February, and certainly in late February into the Big 12 tournament after they figured some things out. So, so we'll see. It's a lot of season, but that was frustrating last night if you were part of the packed house at Moody Center. All right, bullish or BS, Rod? I got this text, and I think it leads to a good bullish or BS question. I said uh, uh, from, from one of our great texters, says, Mahomes and Kelsey are now low class with the crap they pulled on Justin Tucker at oh, the Chiefs. Oh, come on. Uh, and my response to him was, you know, head games. I think the greats do it all the time. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I, look, I mean, yeah, we, we, Justin Tucker, and we'll have the sound for you later, but Justin Tucker said that's where he's warmed up every and stretched every time for his, lap, for his whole career. For okay. 12 years he's been stretching right in that spot. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, did, did, you know, Mahomes and Kelsey kind of take over his spot and then it turned into a bit of a dust-up? So who's in the wrong initially here then? So he said that's his spot, but was it their end zone where they were warming up? Yes, so who's I don't I, I don't know all those details. That just says where that's where he, that's that that was my same routine for a dozen years. Okay, and you know he said Mahomes was fine. He just asked, hey, can you move your helmet over a little bit? We're just getting some throws in, and then it was Kelsey who came over and picked him up picked and threw him. him. Yeah, um, and but look, I mean, did it get into the Ra- the Ravens were out of their head in this game? They they were playing too emotional. Yes. Yeah. You know, th- sixty yards of personal foul penalties. Uh, out of character for them. So you could argue that, you know, any, any of the pregame stuff to get in your head worked. Yeah. Okay, they play with emotion, don't play emotional. They played emotional. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, that. Did, yeah, did Justin Tucker go into the locker room and tell the guys about that? Or did they witness it? Yeah, I'm with you. Because when it was being reported, I think Peter Schrager and um, I forget the NFL Network report. I'll get it here in a second. Um, they said, oh, no, there was actual tension. He said they went to do some research and find out if it was playful or was this passive aggressive or was there passive? and he said no 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 that was some actual tension like they this was not playful in nature so take put that what you will but it was not playful in nature and I'm all about it by the way I like it I think it's good for, it's good for sports they all handled it the right way it never got confrontational no. it, it stayed passive aggressive <laughs> it stayed petty petty and passive aggressive that's all good we like petty and passive aggressive that's when you kind of taunts by the women the women's national title game between Iowa and uh, LSU and all that kind of that we like petty and passive aggressive we don't like when they get like confrontational they want to fight over it. it's like no yeah. no no but whether it's uh, Tiger Woods or Michael Jordan, I mean, these, I mean, Tiger Woods was the ultimate intimidator. Like, he was the ultimate uh, stare-down guy. Exactly. Uh, and he, you know, he knew if he'd get in his, his opponent's head, it was over. Because, you know, he was the best player anyhow. Mm-hmm. And if I get you off your game a little, oh, that's, that's, that's game, set, match. Exactly. That's done. And Jordan did too. Um, so, you know, Patrick Mahomes not the first guy uh, <laughs> who's been at that level who, you know, once you've been there enough, you realize, you know what, if we can tip them a little bit, they've got the home field, they've got a lot going for them here. Let's, let's get in their head a little bit. See they've if they never get a little, been little here. too amped up. They've never been here. They've never been here before. So yeah. it won't take much. All right, what do you have, Rod? Bullish or BS? We'll take your thoughts on that, by the way. A lot of people saying Travis Kelsey's a punk. but <laughs> uh, They're just saying that because they, you know, his connection with Taylor Swift and all that kind of stuff. Uh, no, we were up against it, but I, I did get the Jess, James Palmer was the NFL Network guy, and he said, I dug deeper on that issue you discussed post-game. He said, I can assure you there was absolutely nothing friendly about what went down. So there he said go. nothing friendly about it. We'll let you hear from Justin Tucker coming up. He was asked about it, uh, the lifetime Longhorn and former Westlake Chaparral, yeah. one of the greatest kickers in uh, NFL history. We'll let you hear that. Uh, also, uh, more on the Rodney Terry Longhorn situation last night, four-point loss in OT. We'll recap it and hear from RT. Also, I didn't get to my uh, my Peaky Blinders story, Rod, in Bullish or BS. You got a Peaky Blinders story? I got story? a Peaky Blinders story. I got to okay. give you this. Uh, we'll also go behind the BOC next hour and uh, – 
get some off-the-record conversations. It's a good Tuesday. We're glad you're with us. Lock it in on the Horn app on 101.9 on AM 1260 at hornfm.com. Let's hook them up with Ian Rodby.